Perhaps you've been sitting on the fence for some time regarding making the switch from internal combustion to battery electric vehicle. And maybe there's just one final hurdle for you to cross before you are absolutely across the line. And that is probably how the hell are you going to implement a reliable recharging system at home? I've done this. I've used it for several months. It's easy to do. And I'm going to lay all the detail out for you in this report. I'm John Cadogan from AutoExpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap. Battery EVs, plug-in hybrids, plain old combustion. I'm agnostic about this stuff. As long as it suits you, I'm happy with that. So, there's been this flood of inquiry about electric cars ever since about October, November. That's about when the federal government changed the rules and inverted the pricing structure for EVs, but only for some Australians, which would be Australians who are eligible for novated leases. If that's you, a novated lease is almost certainly the cheapest and most tax-effective way to own an EV. And effectively, in terms of your take-home pay, it's highly likely that a $65,000 EV is going to actually be more affordable in terms of your take-home pay than a $35,000 Corolla, so go figure. Anyway, if you're a bit hazy about that, the FBT, the Novated Lease, the Salary Sacrifice, like, get the number of that bus. I'm not going to go through it all now. I've got a full comprehensive kind of 101 report on all of that compliance palaver. And I'll put a card up there now and you can click on that and just edumacate yourself at your own pace. Olight's February full-on flashlight frenzy finishes Friday at midnight. Hashtag not its real name. Link in the description and pinned to the comments below. Big savings plus a code for 12% off after the sale. Just think of this interlude as a speed date with discounts on six Olight products in just 60 seconds. Here we go. The Warrior Mini 2, my favourite EDC torch. If you'd like to see why, click the card on screen and watch yesterday's video. The Javelot Mini, this thing is basically a belt-friendly searchlight. 1,000 lumens and a super tight beam with a throw of 600 metres. Seeker 3 Pro now, purpose-built for outdoor recreation. 4,200 lumens, plus a huge battery rubber grips and really solid ergonomics. The new Wyvern bike light, great for kids and general urban commuting. It's easy to fit, being basically a bayonet mount with a rubber strap, 300 lumens and super affordable. The GoTorch X now, perfect for hardcore cycle adventures. 2,000 lumens and a wide beam. GoPro mount compatible, a huge battery with toolless mounting, and it doubles as a USB power bank for your phone or GoPro. Finally, the new Exploit bag. If you're addicted to EDC, throw away that shoebox, dude, because this is a far more elegant solution. You can even fold it up and take all your EDC for a pleasant stroll in the bush. Nothing strange about that at all, is what we perhaps 
might tell ourselves. Links in the description. Click for full details. I use my Warrior Mini 2 every day. It has been awesome and despite my best efforts, it simply refuses to die, which is why I have absolutely no problem recommending Olight to you. I get inquiries like this all the time. I'm just going to read one now that I got from a dude named Simon a couple of days ago. Simon says he's thinking about buying a Kona Electric and taking the plunge, meaning the divorce from internal combustion is in the wings and he's already found the new missus, right? Except... I guess we're not really divorcing hydrocarbons in Australia at this point because the electricity still comes from coal, so there's that. However, EVs make sense if you only drive short distances, if you've got rooftop solar and you can lunch off that during the day, for example, or if you just want to do your bit to reduce pollution in our cities, which is a major killer. In fact, you know, pollution from cars kills more people prematurely in the developed world than car crashes, so... Maybe it's time we address that. And you can do your bit with an electric car. Anyway, Simon goes, charging. Only got one phase at home, meaning single phase electricity. Bit slower, but is it still okay? Okay, so let's think about all of that. I have done exactly this. In fact, I drove a Kona electric big block with the 64 kilowatt hour battery for about a year. And for the first three months, I didn't have a bespoke charging solution here, and I relied on the little box, the so-called trickle charger that comes with the vehicle. And after that, for the latter nine months of the 12 months, I just plugged it in at home using a wall box. So I'm going to run through exactly what happened there and how this all worked. Now, if, if you're wondering about the Kona Electric, the big block is 64 kilowatt hours, the small block is 39. That's a measure of the amount of energy in the battery. I know kilowatts, watts and kilowatts are about power, but in a physics lab, power times time equals energy. So kilowatt hours are a unit of energy. All right. So when you get your power bill, your power bill, it's actually an energy bill because it's a bill for the number of kilowatt hours you use, not the number of kilowatts. That would be kind of irrelevant. So I'm not going to do a beer garden physics on power versus energy either. But, you know, power is the time rate of consumption of energy, if you like. So the options are you can just exist with the trickle charger, the little, the little plug-in box that you plug into a GPO, like a standard 10-amp power outlet here in Australia. You can exist with that, but there are some compromises. You can fit a wall box that is a fixed charger attached to the wall, and it can be single phase or three phase. That's right. Two phase doesn't really make sense. Now, if you're hazy on single phase and three phase. They're just two different flavors of alternating current electricity which would be supplied from the poles and wires out on your street to your meter box. Most houses have single phase. You have to be running a pretty much a dirty big appliance to warrant three phase. And the way it works is 
they just get three single phases and they bring them up on three different wires and they organize it so that you know the sine wave of electricity well they just step it over so that the sine waves kind of overlap equally and that gives you your three phases if you're hazy on the whole electrical thing i feel your pain i'm a mechanical engineer for a reason and not an electrical engineer but anyway most people in australia living in standalone houses have single phase power so there's that and for most people the standard brick is kind of going to do the job but it's going to be really slow if you come home very depleted and you need to turn the car around reasonably quickly so i used as i said i used the standard trickle charging brick that comes with the car for three months right and 10 amps, which is what you get out of a standard GPO, like a standard PowerPoint in Australia, 10 amps times 230 volts equals 2.3 kilowatts of power that you can get out of the wall. So that's 2.3 kilowatt hours for one hour of being plugged in. And that means if your big block Kona comes home pretty depleted, it's going to take 28 hours to recharge. So more than a full day right maybe that's not that relevant to you because most of us don't come home with the battery fully depleted most of us drive 90 percent of the time we do our domestic running around we go even if you drive 50 k's in a day you've got six days worth of driving in the big block kona so as long as you plug in with the trickle charger that comes with the car you'll probably get by and then one day you might drive to Canberra which is like 300 k's from Sydney which will basically exhaust the Kona you'll have to charge up down there and then you'll drive back and you'll be sucking on a dry tank of electrons so to speak when you get back here in your big block Kona and that's going to take a relatively long time to top the battery right up to 100% but chances are tomorrow you probably only need 15 or 20 percent of the battery to do the running around that you would normally do so you have to put your need for this in context the other thing is if you're going to do the charging outside it's really not that smart to be doing it with the so-called trickle charger in the elements because extension cords and the trickle charging box itself are not weatherproof they're not ipx anything right they're just not supposed to be used when there's ambient water so i would strongly advise you to ensure that the power point that you use if you are using a trickle charger to charge up your ev at the very least keep the power cord out of water i don't know how you're going to do that if it's just outside because even a heavy dew can be a problem but make sure that that GPO is protected by a core balance relay, like a residual current device, also known as a safety switch, right? Not optional, because otherwise you could walk out in the morning, heavy dew on the ground, you're in your bare tootsies, you reach down, you're an effective conduction path to earth. That's bad, unless you've got an RCD. Like it's bad anyway but it's really, really bad in the absence of a core balance relay because you wake up dead, dude, and nobody wants that, especially your family. So, about 17 hours on the wall box to fully recharge the small block Kona with the 39 kilowatt hour battery. And this is a somewhat clunky solution, right? It gets old doing it this way. I never missed 
the filling station. Not once did I miss the two-for-one Kit Kat unmeetable and unbeatable meal deal. I didn't miss that at all. I didn't miss standing there pumping, you know, dino juice into the car. But the wall box is much better than the trickle charger because the trickle charger is just clunky on a sort of daily basis, right? And I really wanted overnight charging as well. I wanted all-weather overnight charging from empty to full. And the wall box absolutely gives me that. So this required, I've only got single phase power, and this required the, the wall box I got is compatible with either three phase or single phase, and it just depends how they wire it up. But I've got single phase, and that required a dirty big 32 amp cable to be run from the meter box under the floor, down the wall, and outside to where they installed the wall box. And 32 amps is a lot of electricity. Like with single phase power in most houses, you get 100 amps worth of capacity coming out of the poles and wires to your house. But once that wiring goes inside the premises, like inside the walls, you're really only supposed to use 50 or 60 because the walls act like an insulator and you don't want 100 amps of single phase 230 to start heating up and cause a fire. So when the 32 amp wall box is running flat out, it's consuming roughly 50% of the total electric supply capacity that I'm supposed to be using at home. So you'd wanna be careful in a heat wave, middle of summer, running a whole bunch of appliances, air conditioners and fans and things of that nature, and then plugging in the EV, cause you might overload the works. And that's, not advisable basically but i didn't ever end in the situation where that happened so it's it's just something to put in the back of your mind and basically when you go to bed and presumably the air conditioning essentially goes off at that time just plug the car in then and it's fully charged when you wake up and the electricity is cheaper anyway so that's a pretty elegant solution of course if you've got rooftop solar it makes sense to plug in from your wall box in the middle of the day because just turn photons into electricity, which is quote unquote free, except you've had a massive capital investment to actually get that all working. So it's not really free, but you're not paying any incremental cost for doing it that way is what I'm saying. So 32 amps times 230 volts equals 7.4 kilowatts, which fortuitously enough, that's of power, okay? that is the Kona's maximum AC charging capacity. So it didn't make sense for me to put three-phase power on because even if I can deliver more power to the wall box, the Kona will not drink more power than the maximum I can already get out of single phase. So if you're thinking about buying an EV, what you've got to do is you've got to figure out the maximum AC charge capacity of that vehicle and then just divide that by the usable battery capacity or divide the usable battery capacity by the maximum AC charge rate and you'll get the fastest AC charge time sort of ballpark. The only thing to remember about that is that when a battery is flat it's really eager to drink the first few cups of electrons and it's really hard, you've almost got to force feed it the last few cups of electrons to top it right off to 100%, which is why you might notice the charge rate drop off when the battery nearly gets full. That's not a defect, just that's a pro tip, okay? So 
the way I've got it set up with a single phase 32 amp supply, 7.4 kilowatts, that will essentially charge the big block Kona from dead flat to full in nine hours. So if you sleep and you don't need a quicker turnaround than that, if you sleep for the average amount of time and have a cup of coffee afterwards, then you know, you're going to be good to go the next day, even if you come home quite depleted. If you've got the small block, my charging setup will take five hours from fully depleted and the battery will be free. So it works pretty well, I'd have to say. And I've used it on a whole bunch of other charging assignments as well. I've had plenty of plug-in hybrids here and other EVs. I've had Kia EV6, Ionic 5. I've had uh, BMW... X3 electric and I've had a 330e plug-in hybrid from BMW and the Outlander and Eclipse Cross plug-in hybrids as well and it's a universal charging solution this is a type 2 charger it just plugs in it's great so three phase is not particularly going to help me and even if you've got a bigger AC charging capacity than the Kona in your vehicle of choice, then it might not help that much anyway either. Because, for example, Ionic 5 and EV6 will accept a maximum of 11 kilowatts of AC charging. And to provide that, you need three phase. So every phase of electricity can supply seven and a bit kilowatts which means three phases equals 22. And that's why if you go looking in industrial catalogues, the biggest three phase motor you can buy, electric motor, is 22 kilowatts because that's what you get out of the wall, right? The, the thing is though, that you need a big inverter to convert the AC into DC to charge up the battery. And the Kona, has an AC inverter that'll be like 7.4, Ionic 5 and EV6 have 11, which is half the total maximum power that you can get out of three phase, right? But when you think about it, 7.4 versus 11, we're really only talking about a 30% reduction in the charge time. And you have to ask yourself, do you need that? Because it's going to be monumentally expensive to get three phases wired into your home if you've only got one. And do you really need the quicker turnaround? Because that's all we're talking about, okay? You can put 300 Ks worth of range into your car, whatever it is, into your electric car using single phase with a wall box, no problem, okay? And that's overnight while you sleep. You might not be totally full if you've got a 70, 80, 90 kilowatt hour battery, but you'll have 300 kilometers-ish of range, 200 miles in the old money, okay? So do you really need to do that? Is it going to be a tangible benefit to you? And when you look at the cost-benefit analysis, is it worth dropping thousands of dollars just to cut the charge time by roughly 30%? In my case, it absolutely wasn't. So what did it cost? The total cost of the installation was about two and a half grand. And here's what they had to do, right? They had to put it on a separate circuit. So and they also had to upgrade the bus in the meter box and they have to put obviously a separate breaker with a separate RCD to protect the circuit. And then they've got to run the cable, which in my case meant getting the 32 amp cable in conduit under the floor, down from the meter box, under the floor, then down the wall and through the wall 
to the wall box. They've got to mount the wall box, they've got to supply the wall box, and to comply with the regulations about wiring, they have to fit an isolation switch right near the wall box because I don't know why it's got its own on-off switch in the meter box, but the regulations say isolation switch, and therefore I have one of those too. And if I were you, not to fear monger, but I really would fit my wall box outside and I would charge my EV on the front apron if that's a solution that's available to you. Because many EV fires, and I'm, I really don't want to fear monger, the risk of fire is very low. Okay, but many EV fires, of those fires that do happen, which are a very small proportion of overall EVs in service, but of the ones that do happen, they often happen during charging. So I don't know about you, but I would rather have that fire start outside than in the garage, okay? So charge up outside, it's an all-weather solution. The plug is all-weather, the installation is all-weather. You can do it in the rain, it's absolutely not a problem. But if a fire starts with an EV, if it's in the battery because the battery gets too hot, the cooling system fails, whatever, it basically can't be put out because the electrolyte dissociates exothermically, generates its own heat, and the dissociation of the electrolyte provides fuel and oxidizer. So you cannot deprive the fire from oxygen. You just can't do that. It can't be put out using conventional firefighting methods. You just have to wait till the whole thing burns itself out. I'd much rather that happened on the front apron than inside the dwelling itself. I don't think there's any regulation about not having the, the wall box in your garage. You can do that if you want to. I would just say let's not do that. So in my case they had to run about 25 metres of cable to do that and they had to tweak the bus in the metre box and provide all of that other stuff just discussed and it was about two and a half grand to install. If they've got to chase the cable through 50 metres of concrete and then re-concrete and do all of that crap, then you will pay substantially more. And in that case, it might be good to look at an alternative means of getting the power to the site where you want the wall box, right? It's pretty easy though. Like in most cases, it's not going to be a big deal. And it's, it's easy to do and it's not going to change the rest of the way you use the house. Charging like this is all weather compatible, right? You don't need to worry about that either. But the fire risk thing is salient and, you know, if you want it to be as safe as possible, just charge up outside. And if you put the wall box outside, you can lock the garage and the house is secure while the car is being charged. And the charging is pretty secure too, we'll get to that. Here are some final pro tips. If you haven't ever done this before, it's really scary. Like the first time you get an EV and you go, with the charger, you're thinking, please don't be old Sparky, right? Here's what you need to know, okay? And there's eight of these tips. Number one, the charger, like the actual plug on the charger has a receptacle in the car and there's a servo motor or solenoid type engagement where the receptacle has to grab and lock in to the charger before the charging process can start. So even though your charger, your isolation switch is on, you've turned on your wall box, you're advancing on the whole thing with intent and it's all kind of live, 
It's not live from the car's point of view until that engagement process is in place. So you will not strike an arc. There's not going to be any and, you know, salient questions about, am I in the afterlife? Because if I am, it's just like here. Anyway, that's fine. You've got to wait for that process to take place. There's a few clicks, like solenoid type clicks, and then the charging begins. You're not striking an arc. You're not arc welding, okay? You cannot pull the plug out mid-charge. It doesn't work like that because it is locked in. It's specifically locked in so that you can't unwittingly drag the plug out and draw a 7.4 kilowatt arc. That would be bad. So some really smart dudes in R&D have figured out a means of stopping that from happening by just simply locking the two parts together until the charging stops. Three, you can't drive off with the plug in place because the thing about humanity is it doesn't matter. Our race always stumps up a better idiot. So the engine, like the whole powering on and selecting drive and driving off process is interlocked. When there's a charger locked in, you cannot drive off. So that's good. Number four, Charging in the rain is fine, as discussed. That's off a wall box or a fast charger out there in the boonies, right? Not with the trickle charger that comes with the car. Do not run an extension cord into the wet to charge your car. It's also illegal to drape one over the footpath or through the trees or something and use the trickle charger at the curbside. The council will have a little hissy fit and probably fine you if you do that. They had a bit of a purge in Mossman recently about that. So you might need, here's the other thing that bites people in the ass, right? This is number five. You might just need to unlock the car before you can withdraw the plug because they don't want some miscreant to drive past and get out and see, oh, there's some poor bastard charging his EV. I'll just pull the plug out or I'll just launch off his charge by plugging in my EV, right? The whole thing's locked, and the way to get it unlocked if you want to stop charging is unlock the car, and then the plug will release, right? But the car's likely to lock itself during recharging, and it will be impossible. Do not get a crowbar, dude. That would be bad. Just unlock the car, and then the plug will come out. Bob's your mother's brother. Okay, AC charging. Why is AC charging less powerful than DC charging? Because when you go to a fast charger in the boonies down in Goulburn near the Supermax, you can smell it if the wind's blowing. That's probably the sewage treatment plant. That's one of Goulburn's other tourism highlights. Anyway, DC charging, 50 kilowatts, no problem. And yet, 11 kilowatts for AC charging. Why is it so? It's because of the inverter. The inverter generates heat and it's got a specific power capacity and you can't overload the inverter. The battery can drink electricity much quicker than you can supply it from an AC outlet. And the inverter in your car, which basically is the gatekeeper, it's a converter between AC and DC basically. And it can only convert at a particular rate and they need to manage the heat that it produces as well. That's all part of the thermal management system. So intrinsically, AC is going to be less than DC. It's going to take longer, even with a big fat 
AC installation that maxes out your vehicle's capacity to drink AC electricity. DC out there on location is always going to be faster. So, number seven, don't worry about the noises. Cars make EVs, make all kinds of weird noises when you're recharging them. Fans go on and coolant starts to flow, so there's liquid noises and whirring sort of noises, and there's solenoid and relay activation and deactivation noises all the time. As little bits heat up and the cooling system has to activate to manage the temperature of different bits in the whole charging up chain, you will hear noises of that nature. Do not worry, that kind of thing is not a defect. And finally, number eight, batteries, as I said, accept their initial charge more quickly than their final charge. So going from flat to 25% is going to be quicker than going from 75 to 100. Going from 0 to 10 or from 10 to 20 is going to be quicker than going from 90 to 100. And every EV that I have ever recharged quickly has slowed down, as we would have said as kids, right at the very end. So, dude, if you're sitting there and you're worried about how you're going to charge up your new EV and you're across the line on everything else, it's going to cost you two and a half, three grand, something like that. But it's really not going to be painful. And the upgrade from the trickle charger that comes with the standard vehicle is going to be absolutely profound. 